You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The time has come for America to hear the truth. We are going to stand with them, and not only are we going to fight for their rights, but we're going to stand up for our rights here in our state, in our homes, and in our community. United States of America is not going to be decided in the courts. It's not going to be decided in Congress. It's not going to be decided on talk radio, and it sure is not going to be decided on Fox News. For the union makes us My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host and fellow agitator, David Story. It is Saturday, July 11th, uh, July 25th, 2020. We're broadcasting live online and on the radio on WVNN in the Huntsville, Decatur, Athens listening area from Athens, Alabama. A recording of this program will play tomorrow, Sunday, July 26th, 2020 on the great WGOL in Russellville, Alabama. Today, we are just going to be talking union. It's all about you, the listener. We've got no guests. We just want to answer your questions about unions. Uh, So that's what we've got in store today. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate your time. Uh, If you want to see what we're up to throughout the week and get our snide quips about the news of the day, then you should follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Report. We're on Twitter at Labor Reporters. I'm on Twitter at Jacob M underscore A-L. David is on Twitter at Radical Unionist. That's spelled R-A-D-I-C-L Unionist. If you missed part of the show and want to go back and watch it later, search YouTube for The Valley Labor Report and subscribe to our channel. You can go back and watch the full show there, and we also clip segments throughout the week. And we also upload the program on more than 11 different podcasting apps. So you can see if we're on your listening platform of choice, you can go to The Valley Labor Report dot transistor dot fm slash subscribe and if you appreciate our work and want to help us stay on the air then consider throwing us a couple dollars a month on patreon.com slash the valley labor report so let's get started uh, like i said today we're just we're just talking union folks we're not we're not talking about the news we're not talking about politics we're not talking about trump or obama or clinton we're just man we're just talking Talking about unions, talking about brothers and sisters fighting for fair wages, better working conditions, benefits. So if you've got any questions about unions, give us a call. The number is one 866 494-9866. Again, that's one 494 wvnn And uh, while we're waiting for folks to call in, we did solicit questions on social media during the week, and so we're going to start tackling those while we uh, while we wait to get some callers. Um, the first one that we got uh, was from Maxim Baru. Uh, he is actually the um, he's the chair he's the international chair of the organizing department for the IWW, uh, and. And he lives in Canada, so this is an interesting question from him. He said, given that in the U.S. people are legally protected for concerted activity, 
What advantage, if any, do people gain by carrying on concerted activity through membership in a union? And so what he's referring to there, people are legally protected for concerted activity. He's referring to the protections that workers have under Section 7 of the National Labor Labor Relations Act, which Section 7 protects concerted collected acti- collective activity, right? So if you, uh, you know, you theoretically... On paper, if David and I worked in the same workplace and, like, we had a complaint, we could not be fired for, um, you know, writing a petition and both signing it. That's collective activity. We're both doing it. We're, uh, you know, making our voice heard. And so the law protects us in that. Now the boss can find some other way to uh, to, to fire us, uh, but he can't, he can't say that it's because of that. And so... He's saying here, look, you know, people in the U.S., we've already got these rights that are protected. So what is the advantage of being a member in a union? What is the advantage of formalizing this process, being forming a union, paying dues, stuff like that? What is the advantage? I think, David, I'm, I'm sure you've got a really good answer to that. Uh, well, I mean, there's there's so many advantages, but... You know, the first one that comes to mind is uh, solidarity. You know, uh, you can you uh, we're protected through the NLRA, like you said. But at the end of the day, uh, you you when you form a union, and especially like the Wobblies or like your AFGE or like the Machinist Union with me, you get the backing of not just me and you signing a petition. And bringing it to the boss, you get the backing of if that petition doesn't work, then you've got somebody else to lean on, like uh, my fellow brothers down at 2003 when we were on strike uh, two years ago. They come out in droves to walk the picket line with us. So, you, you know, that solidarity there that you build among the working class individuals is humongous. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of the things. You also get the financial support because the union puts in place the the uh, or the, the organization puts in place a way for all the workers to pool their money collectively and not only support themselves but do good things in the community as well. I right. Mean, look at what we were doing, you know, just a couple of weeks ago with the mm-hmm. money uh, from the. From the from the labor council. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, you, you know the, the that's a big thing is that workers are are through union dues we're able to pool our money uh, collectively, just chip in a little bit every yeah. month, yeah. and we're able to uh, get enough money to to. Um, you know, like higher, like if, like let's say, let's say that you and I, David, were in the same workplace and we sign a petition and we get fired, and you and I know this is obviously because we get, it's obviously oh, well, because yeah, of the petition, yep. obviously. But he says it's because we were late one day or something, or, or we yep. were, you know, like I, we spilled a drink in the, you know, whatever kind of nonsense, um, BS reason that they give us, but we know that it's it's because we were. Um, engaging in protected collected collective activity but if it's just you and me or even if it's just four or five or six or 20 workers 
we don't have a union backing us. We don't have um, any formal structure in place. It's like, well, you're just kind of SOL, you know. Yeah. Like you don't have you don't have this institutional knowledge that a union brings. When you when you enter a union, you not only you formalize this process, but you get decades and decades. And I mean, when you start talking centuries. about man man hours and yeah. man years, you you you're, you're talking about centuries of experience and knowledge and history. Uh, that 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 you that you get to bring to the table as a worker, and that is where workers' power comes from. You know, like these billionaires, like Elon Musk or like Jeff Bezos, they've got hundreds of billions of dollars just on their own, and so they're like a force to be reckoned with as an individual. You and I are not forces to be reckoned with as an individual. Right, right. Workers are forces to be reckoned with collectively. Yeah, and so that's uh, another thing is just. It formalizes the process. You know, like if you don't have this, if you don't have a formal structure, if you don't have a formal organization, it is just like you just can't keep up like, oh, you know, every time something happens, I'm going to. To reach out to everybody again without, you know, like w- when you're when you're part of a union, you have, uh, you know, elected officers, you have um, membership, you have meetings, and you meet regularly to talk. And and it's it, the meetings are a good way to like talk to your fellow workers and see like, hey, you know, how has your how has your work life been? How how is how have things been over in your in your department? I don't I don't ever go to the production department or I don't ever go to the accounting. What what in the world's happening in accounting? I don't know. Your union brings everybody together and so that's another that's another thing you get it it it, it brings people together formally you get all sorts of experience you get um the collective uh, the collective weight of all of the uh, the dues money that everybody pulls together for legal services and stuff like that, and you get people that are actually willing to fight for you if your rights are violated. Yeah, and one of the you know the the key thing whenever you're forming a union, the word is all the same word that we always use is organize. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's something to keep in mind uh, as far as the as as far as the union goes, because the company's very organized, mm-hmm. and right. if you look at it, uh, you know, as the company v the workers, the company has the structure in place as far as the plant managers the ceos and and that pyramid of the first line managers and then down to the workers and the reason why they're so effective is because they're highly organized right because this person says this this person does this and and on that and it flows down and the point of Forming that union is to get the workers organized. To but, but we work in the in exact opposite of the way the company works. Instead of having that pyramid where the mm-hmm. hierarchy tells you what to do, you still have that pyramid, but it works in reverse. Works from the bottom exactly. up. Exactly. People, it's democratic. Exactly. It's, it's elected. Dem- so and- all the people say. This is what we want you to do, right. and then it goes to the next level, mm-hmm. and that's what the, they are bound and required to do. That, but it, but yeah. the whole point is bringing that back in. It goes to organization. Mm-hmm. If if it's just two of us, the company's highly organized. They right. can break the two of us. Yeah. But if you've got the whole plant, mm-hmm. they can't break the whole plant, and you're organized. Then you get the backing of everybody else in the plant as well. Right. Yeah, that it, it, you know that it, it just makes it's just intuitive. Yeah. Like if you think about 
all the good all the good that a properly motivated church can do in your community. Yeah. Think about that. Now think about you've got you've got probably if you're like most of us, you've got probably as many people living beside you um, within like just a mile radius, half a mile radius. You know, a lot of us live pretty close together. You've got all these folks here. Um, and so like the question, you could put the question, well, why don't, why doesn't this row to folks? Why, why don't, you know, why doesn't this community just do something together? And it's because they're not organized. Yeah. Like you don't know yeah. your neighbor like three doors down. You don't know your neighbor four doors down. You don't know this whole half mile radius. And it's the same way. Once you get organized into like a church or something, you can start talking about like, okay, we are, we're together and we're helping each other. And now we're going to help the community too. And so that's organizing being organized, having an organization, a formal organization, is is incredibly important in doing anything meaningful. Really, um, yeah. It puts it, it it puts everything in perspective, but it puts everything. It it allows you to plan things much better, right. than what you would normally do. Yeah, that that's exactly right. We're gonna answer some more questions, folks. Give us a call one eight six six four nine four nine eight six six. This is the Valley Labor Report. We will be right back. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host, David Story. We're answering your questions today, and uh, uh, David just wanted to add uh, a bit more to the last question, which was, um, uh, wh- what are some of the benefits that people get through membership in a union? So, David? Well, yeah, I would, you know, we were just talking about it in, uh, in the break there, that, you know, a lot of times we get, uh, especially from a lot of the anti-union folks out there you get the black eye that all oh, they're just greedy union members they're just looking out for themselves uh they want you know they're paid better than everybody else which yeah we are and better benefits than everybody else which yeah we do but right. the fact is you know we do a lot of stuff in the community as well uh the labor for black lives is one obvious one that uh that the that the uh council labor council put together but you know our local and i'm sure your local as well does a lot in the community we've uh we've we've done blood drive for life south a few weeks ago we've done uh uh habitat for humanity going Mm -hmm. out in the community and helping build the houses but you know there's so many other things that, that labor unions do as as a nonprofit organization to benefit those uh that may be less fortunate than us right the next question comes from uh rocket city qc on twitter uh he asks uh what do we have any recommendations on good labor history books Woo. labor history uh yeah good luck i mean you're not gonna read it you're not gonna hear about it in school are you right. you know that's unfortunate <laughs> I, it, I I mean the one that I've been reading here lately is actually the the machinist labor history book. Mm. It's uh extremely old but it it goes into the boomers uh the where the but actually the machinists uh were the original boomers where that term come from was machinists that rode the rail cars from uh from around the southeast and northeast out west and that's how the machinist union built their union uh, from Atlanta because that's where originally where we started was in Atlanta and spread out west as the railroads gained momentum and as people started traveling, 
the the journeyman would hop the rail cars, go to the next big town, and spread the gospel of unionism, uh, and that's kind of where that term come from. Mm. But uh, I, I I mean I don't know. There's so many good ones out there, but you're you're not gonna find them in your local bookstore. You're probably gonna have to go on uh, some of your al- more alternative. Uh, websites to pick pick up those books. Yeah, I'm a big fan. This isn't like it is. Uh, it's more of of kind of a, a how to organize these books that I'm about to talk about. But there's also some good um, contemporary history. Like these these are actions and union drives and strikes that are good to look at in in the contemporary world. And and the author is Jane McAlevey. Um, she has some really, really good books on on like how to organize, how to invigorate your union, how to form a union, and in uh, giving you kind of these steps and and these how this how to guide, so to speak. She goes through examples. It's not just like I'm telling you what to do. It's like this is these are best practices and these are examples of that in action. So uh, the two books from Jane McAlevey that I've read are. Um, a collective bargain, and the second one is um, no shortcuts. Those are really good books about uh, about labor history. Another one is Hammer and Ho. Um, I have heard lots of good things about that. That's next on my queue. Um, I'm going to be reading that here in, in just the next month or so. I'm going to pick that up, and that's about uh, black sharecropper organizing in the South. Um, in Alabama specifically. So that's a really interesting book. It's a really relevant book to, you know, Alabama labor history. Um, I'm really excited to crack that open. I hear it's kind of dull, like it's a dull read, but it's got a lot of good information in it. So um, I'm looking forward to reading that. I think that'll be I think that'll be really good. Um, labor notes. Labor notes. Labor yeah, notes. just read read labor notes. Yep. Subscribe to labor that notes. That is a you know, Chris was on the show what mm-hmm. uh three or four weeks ago and that was probably the original i mean it's kind of like a rag it's not really a book but it's right I, what is it I, it's like a magazine yeah it's like bi-monthly or mm-hmm. maybe quarterly but yeah. that's real real good but also their website's real good they've got yeah. a lot of good books on i there. mean they put everything on the that comes in the magazine they put it out on the website don't they yeah but i mean you know give them a few right, bucks. right, right. Yeah, what is it like five dollars uh, right to to subscribe to their website and right. keep those folks employed. Yeah, yeah. Subscribe to Labor Notes for sure. It's it's really good. It's got lots of good, um, like I was talking about with Jane, lots of good how to organize kind of stuff. But also, like it doesn't just say like this is how you do it. It goes through examples of like really good contemporary stories. And and oh, and and one of the one of the stories in Jane's book was about. Paznap, those nurses that we talked to, that's how I found out about Paznap is reading Jane's book and reading about the just the amazing things that these nurses have done uh, up in Pennsylvania and uh, uh, this um, nurses union. And so that's why we brought them on because we th- we we thought they were so we thought they were so cool. Um, so we've got on the line we've got Joey on the line. Joey, what you got for us? Hello, hello. Hey, hey, I'm still here. Good deal. Yeah, yeah. You're on the air. What you got for us? Oh. 
Sorry about that. Sorry about that, Joey. They they change up the uh, board on us every week, and uh, you aren't listening to us. Well, that's all right. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, man. Hey, listen, I just started listening to your show about oh, three weeks ago. I didn't even know it existed. I'm, well, I'm not I mean, too much into WVNN uh, <laughs> other than get my kicks in the morning listening it. Listening at the the right wingers, but long story short, long story short, I'm a 38 and a half year retired union member, former union president, uh, ten terms. Wow! Was wow. a member of the Alabama FLCIO executive board for four terms, which consists of about 16 years. Uh, North Alabama Labor Council. Oh. Uh, so I, I really just appreciate what y'all are doing. I'm going to give you uh, a book that's not a book, but it's a, it's called BNA, Bureau of National Statistics, whatever. Uh, it's it's really good union reading for union members. Uh, and, and basically all it is is uh, uh, arbitration cases that's been arbitrated for the last 50 or 60 years, but you will find some really interesting stuff. I mean, every kind of discharge case you ever heard of and how it was ruled on and why it was ruled on. But uh, long long story short, and I'll get off the phone. Uh, If there's any way I can help you all out, now I don't do the email business and all that, but if you'll uh, Give me an address. I'll be glad to make a, a donation to keep you on the air. Sure. I appreciate and, it, brother. Uh, stay, we're, we're coming up on a break. Stay on the line. Joey, we kind of lost you on the other side. If you want to uh, give us a call back, uh, you can. That's uh, that's amazing, That all that all that work that you've done. I, I appreciate there's no telling, you know, no telling how many folks he talk like he's got decades uh, in the labor movement, decades in the union, Yep. Um, been a president for a long time. No telling how many lives that that, that brother's affected. So thank you, thank you for your service. Positively affected. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and yeah. we really wanted to know what what union you was with. Give them a shout out because yeah, uh, you sound like somebody that I should know and I may right. know you, or at least my dad knows you. And I, I just kind of wanted to have a little bit more conversation. But thanks for calling in. Yeah, thanks What's for calling. What's the number in? they can call in at? One eight six six four nine four nine eight six six is the number that you can call in, Joe, if you want to give us a call back. Or anybody else, if you've got a question about unions, folks, that is all we're doing today. We ain't talking about politics. We're not talking about Trump, not talking about news, nothing. We're just talking just good, good old-fashioned workers' rights, good stuff, not controversial. Not controversial. <laughs> not not in the South, huh? Yeah, not, not controversial today. Yeah. So, um, so we were talking about labor history books. Uh, the next, he, he had another question. Um, if uh, if we knew of any examples of famous labor leaders that rose to pow- to political power and um, their effects on society, and you know. Um, it seems to me that most of the time, people who, who kind of rise to prominence in the labor movement, they just kind of tend to stay in the labor movement. They don't. Uh, yeah. But uh, but you mentioned this in your tweet, and and Lula 
in in uh, Brazil is the obvious exception to that. Yeah. Um, yep. uh, Lula da Silva was the former president of Brazil. He came up through the uh, the union ranks. He was like a, a an incredibly poor worker. Uh, came up in the union, rose to power in the union, got elected a bunch of times in the union. Then he ran for president of Brazil and he won. And he presided over the largest growth that Brazil as a country has ever seen. And not only we're talking about the best like GDP growth, the best economic growth, like just as a whole, but also the the majority, the the super majority of that growth went to the working working class. class. He really Lula da Silva in Brazil is I like he he was one of the most positive politicians um, for working people in the world. In the world. And 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 um so read a about stark difference from what they've got now, unfortunately. No kidding. And the only reason he's not back in office is because they threw him in prison um, on trumped up charges that have been revealed to be trumped up now. It was all a bunch of BS, and they threw him in prison. Now he's out. Uh, looks like he's going to run for president again the next time. But um, that's the only reason that Bolsonaro, uh, I mean, I mean, he's a fascist. Like he was, he was literally like so in the in in the South and Central America. Um, there were all of these in the '60s, '70s, and '80s. There were all of these democratically elected uh, worker-centered yep. movements, yep. and um, the oligarchies in those areas did not like that, and so they they well, fomented. Well, not only the oligarchies. Look right. at what the U.S. is. Yeah, done well, in the South yeah, and Central right. America. Yeah, and so the oligarchies there and. Um, the American foreign policy apparatus did yep. coups in these countries. They overthrew exactly. these democratically elected governments and they installed the, their fascist dictators. I mean, they're literally like that's. It, it's not like controversial for me to say. Like these no, are fascist. Knows I mean, these are fascist Anybody dictators. That reads knows yeah, that. and Bolsonaro was a part of this gov- Was a part of this dictatorship in Brazil. He was. He was in like the leadership of it. And he said when somebody asked him if he had any criticisms about the dictator. Dictatorship, he said that it was too soft on people. I mean, like this guy's a fascist, and yeah, so well, I mean, it all goes back to the same thing: is yeah. they they do not want workers in control, right? They right. want they'll the, do everything, everything they can yep. to. I mean, they'll kill people. They, they literally in Brazil, they will kill people. They'll throw people in prison. They will. Uh, they'll take away your right to vote. They'll do anything that they can uh, to keep more money for themselves. Yeah. One one of the other ones, and I know I always go back to the machinists because it's the ones that I've right. studied the most. But Neil Armstrong was a machinist. I know he's not a political figure, I but you know, know the first man yeah. to walk on the moon, machinist. I didn't know. You that. know, that's neat. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, so Lula's really Lula's really the only um, David. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't no, know I how well versed in history Lula's really definitely the most prominent. You can't got really think some, of, <clears throat> especially in South America. That, that kind of yeah. rose to power. Some of them that you don't uh, have done some terrible things. Some of them that's done some good things. But, mm-hmm. you know, my, I, it's kind of like I've been in the labor movement for quite some time. And you, I don't think a lot of labor leaders or, you know, people that cut their teeth in the labor movement really see political action as a way to help right. workers. That's the unfortunate part because, you know, I've or I've got some political aspirations to possibly run for office, but it, it's really it. There, p- 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 I, I just don't see a big benefit. 
right. you know. So I don't think, but I think most labor leaders like to stay in the movement mm-hmm. because they see that's where the most benefit to the workers comes from. Right. Politicians are such jokes when it comes to help. You know, both sides, they're right. terrible. Favorite labor songs, David? What are your favorite labor songs? Oh, man, anything by Rage Against the Machine, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't really have – we were talking well, – we were discussing that before the show started. I'm not a big, like, old-school folk, Woody Guthrie, some of the great – some of the great – Labor songs, I don't get into them. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I, I guess coming up as a Generation Xer in terrible times through, you know, Ronald Reagan, through, you know, killing, killing the air traffic controllers, mm-hmm. through George Bush, through Bill Clinton with NAFTA. You know, yeah. I'm not picky on who I hate on as far as politicians <laughs> go. I, I I grew up looking around and watching my dad retire at 49 mm-hmm. with a pension and thinking I was screwed. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm a more angst guy. I yeah. hate the political movement in general. And I, I, yeah. Yeah. So what's I, your favorite ones? My favorite ones. Got some I've got some. Ones. So like I, I grew up, um, in a really religious family yeah. and like, we would not listen to anything except Southern Gospel. I'm talking like my parents didn't throw on 102.1. They didn't throw on 104.3. We listened to 99.9 all day, every day. I listened to the Florida Boys. I listened to the Lefevers, the Cathedrals, the Bill Gaither vocal band. I'm th- like, and that's it rubbed a- off on you because you're a heck of a singer. Oh, uh, well, I, I appreciate mean, you it. Are I appreciate a heck it. Of a singer. Um, so. So that's the kind of music that, that that I grew up listening to, and it just stuck with I just love it. I love Southern Gospel, old shape note hymn music, right? And so uh, when I started getting into the labor movement, I found out that there's a bunch of old shape note union yeah. songs. Yeah. And I was like, man, I tell you what, this was like <laughs> made in. for me. And so I started digging into it. There's so many. If you want a, a good list of them, Go find yourself a copy of the Little Red Songbook by yeah. the IWW. That's got a. It's a really good list of like a hundred or so shape note union hymns. That's really good. I love Solidarity Forever. There's Power in a Union, Talking Union. But all those um, was based truthfully. If you go back, yeah. and listen to the 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 rhythm of the song, they're based on old. All gospel music. Yeah, yeah there's power in a union music. was based on there's power in, a, in the blood. Exactly. Um, the uh, solidarity forever was battle hymn of the republic. Um, you know, so it's it's there's a lot of uh, it, you know, it sounds like it's a lot of overlap because in <laughs> in some cases they literally just took the rhythm and changed the changed the uh, changed the words. So uh, find that songbook. I love that songbook. It's my favorite. I and you can pick it up. Well, you can you can download it off of IWW's website. Can't you can you? download it yeah, off their sweet. website. Uh, you could get it for. I got it for like four bucks from a. Uh, worker co-op um, print shop is pretty yeah. neat. Yeah, so, if you can buy, if you buy it, buy it from a union shop. That's for sure. Or a worker co-op. Yeah. Yep. That's where I got mine from. Is a worker co-op. So uh, we're going to be taking some more questions. We've got a few more that came in uh, online. If you've got a question for us, give us a call one eight six six four nine four nine eight six six. This is the Valley Labor Report. Stay. 
The Valley Labor Report is also supported by listeners like you. If you value the work that we are doing, injecting a different perspective into talk radio, and you have the means, consider signing up for a monthly donation on patreon.com slash thevalleylaborreport. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash thevalleylaborreport to support our work and keep us on the air. Good morning, folks. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host is David Story. We are answering your questions about unions. Give us a call, 1-866-494-9866. And who uh, is this on the radio? Who is this on the radio? Yeah, that's not the Oh, that was, yeah, yeah, that was, that was uh, Them Damn Dogs. Local uh, group. Local group, yeah. Yeah, and that's something that we need to mention. Yeah. If you've, yeah. If we are trying our best up. to move away from commercial bumper music so we're going to try to move to local if you're a band out there listening to us that wants to get on the radio call us up shoot us a message yep uh one of the questions that we got earlier was about good labor history books and we got a couple comments from some union folks that that were good a subterranean fire uh, is a recommendation uh from a, a good brother um it's a good history of unionism. And another one that I've also heard, I've not heard of subterranean subterranean fire, but I've heard a lot of good things about a history of America in 10 strikes. Yeah, yeah, That's, I've got that one at the house. Yeah, I've not read it. It's on my list, um, but somebody mentioned that. So and pick one, that one up. That's a good one. Yeah, and, and uh, one that we were t- I was looking up uh, in, during the last segment as and we mentioned labor notes you can actually mm-hmm. buy mm-hmm. his books on labor notes and he's got about seven or eight uh but robert m schwartz is a writer he's a lawyer i think out of somewhere in the northeast but he writes uh books to help unionists as far as mm. the rights of stewards how to win past practice grievances things like that is i've i've got all of his i think i've got all of his books right. and uh that was basically where I cut my what I cut my teeth on as a steward whenever I first got elected, and they're mm-hmm. very beneficial on explaining what your rights are, what your rights with a company, what the company's rights are, because a right. lot of people don't realize you can mm-hmm. uh, you can make demands on the company, and they they're they're legally required to provide you with information that they do not want to provide mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the next question comes from Josh. Uh, he asked. Um, if we had a list of unionized workplaces in Alabama for Ooh. those that are interested in joining the union. Believe it or not, there's a lot. Yeah, and there are a lot. lot. 9.5% of workers in Alabama are represented by a union. Like, we've got the highest union density of any state in the South. Except um, for, I think it's Kentucky. The, the is minor, that true? I think no, I thought we were. Kentucky well, okay, Virginia. in the Southeast. Yeah. Kentucky's kind of on the edge. On the verge, um, yeah. I think yeah, we've but, got a higher union density than Virginia, though. Yeah, I, I would have... It, it changes yeah, it look. back yeah. and forth, but there's a lot. There's a lot more than what people realize. You got right. uh, indicator. You got numerous. You know, and that's probably and that that I was thinking about that question last night because a lot of times people you you start talking about organizing and people say, well, where where can I go to work at a union? Mm-hmm. And you, it, I I'm I'm always hesitant to say. Go over to the iron workers in, in Muscle Shoals. Go to mm-hmm. IBW over in Florence. Go to the 
uh, Carpenters Union or the Millwrights Union down in Birmingham, those are great mm-hmm. places for trades. That's where you can go to work for a union. But truthfully, if you want to expand the labor movement, what we really need to do is organize in your workplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Organize exactly where you're at, you know, mm-hmm. because that's how you're going to get better wages across the board. Not piling everybody into one local, right. which that's a great thing. Don't get right. me wrong. IBEW, the electrical workers do great work. The yeah. iron workers do great yeah, work. Yeah, I mean, if you're going into the trades, yeah, go that's work a for great them. Place. Go work with them instead of. But if you're already working, mm-hmm. let's organize in your workplace. Right. I mean, you're, Any, you're already comfortable there. Right. You've probably already built relationships so, yeah, so that you can build there. on mm-hmm. yeah so let's organize in your workplace yeah you any think. workplace can be a union workplace exactly. i mean literally any workplace can be a union workplace um, well almost gotta, any there's there's some that you're not going you know there's right. a car salesman for example well i mean i guess i mean you could yeah you could yeah some places would be more difficult than others but but yeah, yeah you could you could you could do it anywhere I mean, management can have unions. They have to be in separate unions. But you like, know, well, it, engineers. Well, uh, you know, SEIU does a lot of engineering unions, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, service mm-hmm. service workers unions. IFPTE, IFPTE, International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. Yep, they represent a lot of folks at yeah, TVA. You can, you represent can. folks at NASA. Yep, here in Huntsville. Yep, AFGE. Yep. Mm-hmm. AFGE, American Federation of Government Employees. Yeah, a lot of. Um, a, a lot of federal government jobs are unionized. Yeah, um, we've got a CBA. Uh, like a lot of a lot of places, uh, it's twenty nine different organizations on the arsenal that AFGE represents, um, and that's not including there's there's also organizations that are represented by IBEW on the arsenal. There are organizations yep. represented by IFPTE, um, by the, the machinists. Yeah, yeah. so. NIFI, National Federation of Federal Employees. Yeah, so there's a lot. There's a lot of different places. Um, you know, if you're looking, if you're if you're you looking for a trade join. job, yeah, if you're looking for a trade job, definitely look um, in the building trades unions, the millwrights, um, the IBEW, I, uh, IUPAT, International Union of Painters and Allied yeah. Trades. Mm-hmm, They've mm-hmm. got a local over in uh, Florence area. Steam fitters and pipe fitters. Steam fitters and pipe. Man, there yeah. are so many that people yeah. don't realize. And they're all yeah. good pay, good mm-hmm. health insurance. Yeah, yeah. I was pensions. talking to, man, I was talking to this guy that I know. Um, he was wanting to join some electrical working contractors, non union, obviously. And um, I was telling him about the IBEW and like, the pay was like he was telling me what the deal that he had and like the pay was more the benefits were significantly more you get up to full um like full promotion potential more quickly i mean it's just better like just work you know with the ibw yeah with the ibw yeah yeah, yeah. i mean where else in the world are you getting 100 percent paid medical yeah no kidding know? the ibw has 100 percent paid you don't um, pay a penny yeah, employer sponsored health insurance. That's just like I don't have that. Yeah. And who's got who's who's got pensions now? I mean, right. you know, that's mm-hmm. that that's I one think they thing have a 401k. Do they have a 401k? Yeah, I think IBW has a 401k. Okay. Yeah. But are they having to put into it themselves or is IB or is the union putting into it? Um that's the that's a good question. I can't question. remember. It was it's been a few weeks since I was talking to Tony Quillen, if you're out there listening to us, let us know. Yeah. Yeah, and we're gonna and and that was that was a um, like about the the functioning how trade unions function. Um, that's a question that that I don't know all the answers to, and we're gonna try to get um, 
Eddie Mitchell with the Iron Workers. Is he yeah. the? He's, 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 the, or, he's the lead or the no, organizer. He's the lead organizer. He's the lead for, organizer for Local 477. Lead organizer for Local 477. We're going to get him in the studio here in the next couple of weeks to just talk about like what they do, how yeah. to join. That's um, one thing that they that the trades have really started doing in the last few years that hasn't traditionally been done is they organize in in workplaces as well. Yeah. You know, they're not just trades any longer. Right, they're they build solidarity with the with everybody, and I know the IBW has got some people out on the Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the IBW does have some folks out on the Arsenal. Yeah, so you know, like if you're if you're like I don't know how old you are, uh, but if you're like you know coming out of coming out of high school looking for a job, man, join a trade union. You know, like I was. Oh, oh, the stagehands, the stagehands, they do like all of the all of the big stuff. Uh, for the VBC, all the big shows, everything like that at the VBC, and he said, he said the uh, the vice president of the, of the stagehands union, he was talking to me about how they get a lot of folks out of UAH, the arts program there, and they get a college degree and stuff, and they're like, oh well, I want to I want to be in the stagehands union, and I want to do this and that uh, with the stagehands union, and he was like. Well, that's great. We would have took you four years ago, and then we would have paid you yeah. for your education instead of you having to pay a hundred thousand yeah. dollars for it at UAH and all that. Yeah, and that's something to mention is you know not just the stagehands, but every uh-huh. union affiliated with AFLCIO now is offering free college. Yeah, free. Yeah. IFGE mm-hmm. does it. We mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. is offering one hundred percent paid free college, not yeah. just for the union member, but for their, their family. family, their children. I mean, think of yeah. how much of a game changer that is. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There. I mean, there's just so many, so many um, good things, and so so many different union workplaces. So many opportunities to form unions where you're at. Um, man, just go for it. So great, so great having a union card. Um, I would right, hold it. on the line. Yeah, my, yeah, we've got another caller on the line too. We've got two more callers on the line. Um, Mike, we're, you're going to be first up after we come back from the break. Uh, stay tuned. This is the Valley Labor Report. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report. Welcome back to the Valley Labor Report, your source for the only union talk radio here in Alabama, hosted by a couple of nine to five workers. Seven to three thirty. Seven. Seven to three. Couple of working class workers. Couple of blue collar. Working class. Well, I, I don't know. Yeah, um, you're blue collar. <laughs> You're in the the fight. I'm in the fight. Yeah, I'm I'm out on the streets, out on picket lines. Um, And so what we're doing today is we're just, man, we're just talking union. We're just answering questions. We're just not talking about anything crazy. We're just talking about union. Good old workers fighting for better wages and working conditions and how to do it. Um, On the line, uh, we've got Mike. Mike. Mike, welcome in. Yeah, welcome. What you got for us? Hello. Hey. Uh, I noticed that uh, I am from the union. I've been in manufacturing 30 years. And those guys are kind of young. But I appreciate off that. I'm, I'm 49. I don't know if that's young. <laughs> and you brought up some things that uh, 
He said, did you want to draw from the weed? But I think he kind of did. You mentioned Patco and Reagan. Yep. yep. First of all, we're a nation of laws. Uh, if you needed a machine to make to save your dying child and the, the plane needed to get there, well, that part, I believe you'd think a little bit different. The air traffic controller oh, yeah. were given yeah. an opportunity to go back to work. They refused. Reagan fired them. Yep, he certainly uh, did. As far as the, the workplace issues, I'm all for collective bargaining and private business, not in government. You shouldn't be able to use our tax dollars to bargain against me for my tax dollars. Oh, I see what ridiculous. you're saying. You're talking about uh, uh, the government, there, government unions. I've never been threatened verbally or assaulted physically by a member of management. I have by members of the UAW. I heard one of you say that your dad retired at 49. My goodness. How can that be bad? No, that's a good the life. Thing, that's a good life. I spent two weeks at the Walter May Ruth UAW Family Edu- Education Center at Bright Lake. I had to cross one picket line in my life, and that's where I crossed it to get on their campus because they weren't taking care of their own employees. Mm. So you, you, the, the union has one purpose. <coughs> they collect union dues. The rank and file <laughs> is not getting products and services. Um, uh, who, what, what's your name again, Mike? Mike, yeah. Mike, are you sure that's your real name? <laughs> oh, come on, man. You, hey, you're yeah. telling hey, me that I'm the only thing... Don't call me a liar, by the way. You're te- well, you're going to come on the radio station and say the only thing that the union's worried about is collecting dues. Brother, if you are a union member, and I doubt you are, because I don't know even you. Well, 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 I'll tell you what I'll do. I can bring photographs, pictures, and to, I know I know where you're at. I'm in Elkhorn, Alabama, sir. All right, brother. Have a good day. Yeah, I mean, so, like... The union crazy. That's I mean, it, well, it's silly. It's it's silly. And and one of the th- one of the things that he said that I haven't ever been verbally attacked by management, but I have by UAW members. And it's like, yeah, well, you know I what? Maybe you across ma- the picket line. Yeah, you know what? I may- you. Maybe some UAW members said some mean words to you because they, they crossed the picket line. When they crossed the picket line. But kidding. you know what? Management's out there doing. They're out there taking profits off of the backs of workers they're out there trying to keep wages down for workers they're out there firing folks for organizing they're out there i mean so like they don't have to say mean words to you to like i would much rather i would so so much rather somebody say a mean word to me than um have like my wages cut or be terminated. Yeah. Like I mean, get you know. Get, I can seriously. tell you what our and dues then, went for. Whenever we was on strike two years ago, they went for ice. 
for yeah. the people out on right. strike. They went for water for the people out on strike. They went to feed the families for the people out mm-hmm. on strike. They helped pay ha- health care. So whenever he's, I mean, this is just absolute and horse And talk. government unions, I'm in a government union. I'm proud to be in a government union because I am a public servant. I do for the United States taxpayer. I do good work for uh, uh for for the U.S. Army, I work uh, I work for the U.S. Army, and I I help administer uh, important projects for the national defense, for uh, for all sorts of things, and lots of folks do in the government. And so, what? Just because we're from the gov- we work in the government, that means all of a sudden we shouldn't have rights. All of a sudden, yeah. we should just be. Uh, like all of a sudden we we just forfeit everything that we ever every right that I have as an American because I'm a public servant I should give it up no I'm a worker and I am a public servant and I have all the same rights as anybody else does and you negotiate you yeah, negotiate. you negotiate. You don't get everything that you want. What you does the politicians do whenever they want to raise? Right. They, they just they, they just, just do it. it in. They just they do just it. it we negotiate for our raises and that's I you know that's fine. Hey, so, Joe called us back. Yeah, Joey, uh, we'll uh, uh, bring in Joey back on the line. He was a so uh, this this was a fellow that called in earlier. He was a um, longtime union member in the uh, uh, the Painters Union, I believe. He was in the North Alabama Labor Council and the Alabama uh, State Fed Executive Board. So, Joey, welcome back. Sorry, we lost you a little bit earlier. Hey, well, let me let me clarify one thing. I was an original. Uh, uh, United Paper Worker. We merged. We merged with the uh, oil chemical, oil atomic worker uh, union, and become Pace. Mm. Eventually, we merged with the United Steel Workers, who had just shortly before merged with the uh, rubber workers. So I wound up being a steel worker at the end of my career. Gotcha. Uh, union president for a whole lot of terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the AFL-CIO executive board in Montgomery for several times. But uh, I just wanted to tell you probably one of the proudest moments I had as a, as a union officer was something that's absolutely unheard of all over the South is overturning a final and, bo- final and binding arbitration case, which y'all are aware of how, how contracts are wrote that that arbitration mm-hmm. final and binding, and that's it. We actually overturned one uh, uh, through the board. Uh, hadn't been done in probably 25, 30 years, and it was so ironic that the whole case surrounded writing on the bathroom wall. A member of our local was accused of making threats on a bathroom wall Two members of management, and, and basically all it said was, somebody's going to get a butt whooping, and I promise. <laughs> well, the company, and, and you got to know this was in uh, 98 through 2000 when we was downsizing and a pretty good little war going. Uh-huh. Uh, the company hired a handwriting expert, <laughs> ex-FBI agent from Quantico, to come in and photograph these, these wall graffiti, and he determined by looking at handwriting analysis that that this member in our local was the one that made the threat. Mm. This guy was about a 25-year employee with a very, very good work record. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they terminated him. Mm. So they can afford to hire. Are they going to afford to bring oh, yeah. in an FBI agent <laughs> from Quantico well, well, and pay him? Well, let me tell you something, to give David. People a raise, huh? <laughs> they they didn't give us enough credit. They didn't give us enough credit because uh, we we probably had the toughest local, and and I don't mind saying this You're in North Alabama. You're absolutely right about we that. We hired we hired an ex ATF agent whose specialty was. <laughs> Handwriting analysis in drug dealing, in bomb making. Uh, we hired him out of California, a guy by the name of James Bronco. He has a book out there if anybody wants to read it. <laughs> this dude was not enough to actually take our case on yep. at a reasonable rate. Now, it wasn't cheap, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. But to get to the point of the story was. When two experts are testifying in front of a arbitrator, and this guy was from Florida, <clears throat> his final analysis was that the two experts were so good that they washed each other's testimony out. That's pretty good. So therefore, he had to make the decision on, on the final outcome of the case, and he based his judgment on... My guy, my guy, who they terminated and had a family and bills, my guy, in the early stages, as they before they terminated him, he said, hey, look, if y'all think I've done this, then then give me something less than discharge. Give me a layoff and let me, you know, mm-hmm. let me come back to work. Well, they refused to do that. Well, when the arbitrator finally made his decision, it was based on one sentence. You inferred that you were guilty when you asked for less than discharge. Yeah, I've heard and that upheld before. the company uh, firing. Yeah. Mm. In the meantime, we were smart enough to have already filed board charges because this boy was a trustee in the local. That uh, they was they was actually beating up on on union officers, and they was yeah. they was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the board overturned that decision. That's good. Which is just absolutely unheard of. Right. The company called me while the board was reviewing the case, and they made a a seventy five thousand dollar offer uh, to pay him and let his discharge be turned to a resignation. Mm. Well, I just told the company, "Hey, look, we're not interested in that." Uh, that ain't enough money, and besides that, I ain't even gonna bother and call the feller. Of course, I cook a little flack for that, but long, long story short, they said, "Well, we'll see you in Birmingham next Tuesday for the trial." I said, "Well, we'll be there." On Monday afternoon, they called me back with another officer of offer <laughs> As that usual. was substantially higher than that offer. Yeah. Mm. Uh, to the to the point of I had to sign a non disclosure agreement and not tell how much they actually paid him. No. But yeah. he wound up getting he wound up getting more than double the first offer. Mm-hmm. He done well. Probably could have got his job back, but he was already employed elsewhere mm. and wasn't interested in coming back. Mm. Uh, so I, I'm going to say that was probably one of the proudest moments of, of, of my 
of my union president business. Joe, we uh, got, and then there's there's hunters more. We got about but, a minute uh, left, but needless to say, the union's done great things for you and your family. I, I guess is absolutely. I'm I'm sitting here in the garage right now with a fan on, listening to y'all's radio show, <laughs> uh, because of the union dues that I paid mm-hmm. that helped me and my family and the negotiating team get me a decent retirement that uh, I didn't pay for. Mm-hmm. Uh, only through my dues. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm proud to be a union member. Always will be. Uh, and I don't and I don't really appreciate people like the previous caller, who probably absolutely knows nothing about what unions really do, other than what some other uneducated fellow had told him. Right, but yeah. long story short, man, I appreciate y'all's time. Thanks and uh, I will be making a contribution on a regular basis. <laughs> thanks, brother. It. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what unions can do, folks. Like, You're not going to get folks like that fighting for you if you ain't got a union. Uh, stay tuned. We've got one more segment. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host, David Story. On the line, we've got Mike. Mike. Mike, how do? Mike, you with us? I guess Mike got tired of waiting. Yeah, Had sorry to hold about him that. through the break. Okay. Yeah, Mike, oh, okay. if you're listening, call back. Yep. Uh, yeah. So you know, this is the last segment. We've got we got a couple other um, questions that came in online, and we can um, we we can we can just kind of tackle these. And, and and so one of them that I that I saw, and it wasn't like a question, rather it was a statement, and it said. Um, Companies won't survive if they don't treat their workers fairly. Um, and that's why we don't need unions anymore. <laughs> I'm like, what? What? Is this guy like, is this guy being for real? Does he really think that they're, I mean, honestly, like, just think about that. Companies won't survive if they don't treat their workers fairly. Like, how many companies are there that don't treat their workers fairly in America? It's a lot. There are a lot of co- companies that don't treat their workers fairly in America. So many. Uh, you know, like paying any company that's paying you minimum wage is not treating you fairly. Any company. Look, at the end of I the mean, day, these people that silly. say this stuff, if it, the, here's the problem that I got with morons like this is they don't want the companies to pay a fair wage. What happens when the company don't pay a fair wage? Social services. They're going to get food stamps. They're going to get WIC. They're going to get subsidized housing. You've got to make a choice. Either force the company to pay fair wages through collective action, or, or you, you pay for it, it mm-hmm. through your taxes. I through mean, your taxes, and not even not even just like social services and stuff, but like poverty is highly correlated with crime. If you like, if if you've got somebody that doesn't have, uh, is not being remunerated for their uh, labor fairly, uh, you're going to have a much higher propensity to commit crime. You're going to have a much higher propensity to be. Like in a fatherless home or something, it's, and and, it's and, crazy. and and so you end up paying to support them in prison. Yeah. You end up paying uh, to, the cops to go around and arrest people. I mean, it's just that it's, it it's makes, silly. It's, it's it, Un- it makes zero I mean, unions sense. Unions are incredibly important. Hey, uh, Mike's Mike back. back. Yeah, Mike's back. Mike, how do? Welcome, Mike. Hey there. Hey, uh, first thing I want to say is when you get a union worker, uh, you're going to get quality work. 
You're out That's about right. that. Because they are all trained to the same standard. Yep. You turn this thing down. They're all trained to the same standard. Therefore, you're going to get that quality of work where you won't be able to get that. Mm-hmm. Now, I had an incident that did happen to me. Uh, well, not to me personally, but to one of my guys at work around me. He had injured his back on the job, and when he made the claim to management about his back injury, uh, they came back and they said they controverted his injury. So I decided to take it up with his management, and at that time, uh, his insurance paid 90% of his medical bills, so he was in good condition on that. But anyway, I took it to his management, and I asked the question, I said, do you understand the word controvert? And they looked at me kind of perplexed. And I said, well, did you talk to his doctor or any of the medical people? Did you talk to any of the people around him when he got hurt? And they said, no. I said, well, the word controvert means you disagree with evidence. So what is your evidence? Well, they didn't have it. I said, you're keeping this outstanding electrician from doing work for a lousy 10%. And he said, what do you mean 10%? I said, well, he's got 90% coverage on his medical. So we're only talking about 10%. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They turned around and they put that man, told him to go to the doctor, have his search procedure done, and he returned to work in a month. Yeah. So wait a second, Mike. Wait a second. So you're telling me that this company didn't treat this worker fairly before the union got involved? Yeah. yeah. No, they were... They were <laughs> Doing, I guess, what the management does, you right. know, they uh, don't want to have any more expenses, which is understandable. But when they came back and said that they were controverting his injury, that means you're controverting, that means you're disagreeing with his injury based on evidence. Yeah. And they yeah. had no evidence. Yeah. And yeah. I said, also, on top of that, I said, he has 90% medical coverage, but because he made a injury claim, you're denying him to be able to use his medical insurance for a lousy 10%. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, their mind. It's, it's always the same Well, thing. the idea is that you put what's really going on in front of him is that, hey, it's, he's already paying for his medical. Won't you let him have this procedure done? And they said, well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, things, things around so, I wasn't a union representative. I was a foreman, and I was just trying to help out this uh, employee, and he was an outstanding electrician. Right. So I think he deserved better, and I think he, I think he deserved another viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And I think when they saw that viewpoint, they said, well, wait a minute. We might ought to change our, our attitude and our, how we address these situations. Right. And that's what they did. And so, that's... And you know that 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 you mentioned about like the quality of service that's so incredibly important. Thanks for the call Mike. We really appreciate you calling in. Um but but you you mentioned that you know when you get a union electrician like you were talking about uh the the quality of service is just going to be so much better because they are trained to a higher standard. They have like they have years. Program. They yeah. have years of this apprenticeship program following folks on the job, taking classes, reading books and that that other contractors just don't put their workers through and um you talked about it last week you know they're not yeah. just they're they're more they're a better quality service they're also a much safer service for much themselves. safer 
Uh, you know the, the which is good for the company it's too. For it's everybody. good. It's obviously uh, you know it, it's just intuitively good for a worker to be in a safer working environment. But it's good for the company too because they have the they have less workplace injuries. They have less liability. Their insurance is lower. They, I mean, it's so much. It's good for everybody. I mean these these things that unions do. They're just so so important and so underrated. Um, that yeah, yeah, and and that's why that's why we're doing this. We want to we want to uh, you know. Uh, be the voice of labor here here in North Alabama and talk about the good things that unions do have done and will continue to do uh, in North Alabama and in the country. I mean, it, it's um, and they both go hand in hand. You know, training mm-hmm. and safety. The the yeah. reason that you're more safe is because you're higher trained. You're right. more skilled. You know what not to do. Yep. Because I'm an electrician at work, and you know, I I've been around some of the contractors that's been brought in that are non union. And they're they don't even put locks on equipment at times, right. you know. And it's like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. Serious? I mean that, but that that goes to goes to speak towards the training helps with the safety aspect of it, and it's good for business too because it's a higher trained people is going to get a more quality a, a more quality job and a quicker job. You're going to be able to finish your job quicker. And yep. move on to the next one as opposed to... Yeah, I mean, so often, you know, like if you cut corners, you're going to end up having to go back and do it over, and it's going to take longer, cost more money than if you had just done it right the first time, which is what union contractors are going to do. Folks, you've been listening to the Valley Labor Report with Jacob Morrison and David Story. We've got a really exciting interview for you next week, so uh, we will see you next week. <laughs>